This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 183, Comic Reviews for the week of Wednesday, July 9th. This is the Comic Shenanigans podcast. This is episode 183. It's the Comic Reviews episode for the week of Wednesday, July 9th. Uh, I'm your host, Adam Chapman. Thank you for uh, listening to the show. Uh, so this week, uh, actually, I wanted to say something. So last week, we had a bit of a quick reviews episode, and uh, frequent guest of the show, uh, Leon Orlana, he doesn't always listen to the reviews episodes. So he was like, I'm gonna really going to give this a shot. I'm, you know, I, I listen to all, most of the episodes that, that aren't the reviews, but he doesn't always have a chance to read comics on a regular basis, so he hasn't been listening to the reviews episodes. So he was like, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back, I'm, I'm going to you know, listen to a reviews episode and see what it's like, and then I'll, I'll probably listen to them going forwards. And I remember telling him, dude, it's like my, my, my weakest reviews episode yet. And he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, I, I, there was just no time. I had to power through. It was like a 15-minute podcast of like 15 books. Like it was just bang, bang, bang. So he listened to it. And he's like, it was good. Super fast, though. And I'm like, yeah. Uh, it was one of the shortest reviews episodes I've ever done. Because uh, just I'd run out of time. The you know, you know how it is with schedules. Sometimes you just don't have time to do what you think you're going to have time to do. And then uh, you end up with a super short podcast that's usually a little bit more longer, a little bit more in-depth, and a little bit less fast-paced. Uh, so that's what we're going to get this week, hopefully, is a little bit less, a little bit of a slower pace. That being said, there is, you know, 19 books we're going to go over. And, uh, you know, that does take some, some serious time to do. Um, so let's just jump right in. So this is comics released on July 9th. Now, I'm as I'm recording this, it's uh, July 16th, so already new books have come out. So because this isn't as timely, I am going to go a little bit faster than I would normally, but not as fast as last week, which was ridiculous. Uh, so we have Old New Invaders number 7. Now, I, um, I played a little game with Leon yesterday. I, I saw him. We were at a HeroClix tournament. But before we went, I, sh- I said, I'm going to show you the covers for the books that I'm going to be talking about this coming week. And I showed him a bunch. And, he, and a lot of them, he was just like, take care, which is basically, in our parlance, a, a nice way of saying, go fuck yourself. Like, go fuck off. So he was looking at Old New Invaders number 7. And this was the first one. I'm like, yeah, you're, you may not like this cover. And he looked at it. He's like, what the hell is that? Like, hey, what is this? Um, now, that being said, I do like the original Sin kind of uh, banner, the fact that all the original Sin tie-ins take, although there haven't been that many of them. I just like the, the white kind of banner around it, and then the way that they build the S kind of into the corner is kind of nice. Um, that being said, the image here, it's a little bit more anime-ish than you're, we're probably used to seeing in a, a mainstream Marvel book. Uh, it's, this is written by James Robinson with Mark Laming on art. Um, I actually enjoyed this issue quite a bit. I don't know if I know Laming that well as an artist, but his style it reminded me of a lot of different artists in, in, in a good way. Like it, it had a really good, solid narrative style to it. The storytelling was interesting. Way Robinson, how he kind of did this flashback and explained uh, what this kind of original sin was. Um, yeah, I dug this quite a lot. Now the ending definitely was a little bit of a what the hell? Like that was kind of more of the shock because I didn't expect that. That was very unexpected but the rest of the issue i thought was actually quite quite well done again i love the artwork um it's it's kind of a weird issue in some ways because um it's called the invaders but i feel like really you shouldn't even or sorry the old new invaders but realistically the first arc was with the, the the invaders and now i just feel like it's the Human Torch book, which is, there's nothing wrong with that. I think he's a strong character. I like how Robinson writes him, and I, I don't think it's anything to do with Robinson himself. I think it's more 
just the way books are sometimes produced and that they have to kind of pitch them on one thing and and they're going with the name all new invaders because it's recognizable uh and obviously because it's a flashback story we're still seeing the original invaders so you're still seeing namor and toro and bucky and cap although i like that it's the later versions of bucky and cap that aren't the uh, steve rogers and uh, bucky barnes versions which i love when we have the the these alternate characters there was that um captain america patriot miniseries a few years ago loved it um i just love seeing the rendition of these characters uh and it's a little bit different anyways i really enjoyed this i'm gonna give it a solid uh, rating of uh, eight out of ten uh definitely an enjoyable enjoyable read uh, next up is All New X-Men number 29. Um, now, <laughs> I showed him the cover. He's like, why is Angel on a bike? And then I uh, came home with a stack of comics last week, and I, I sometimes play a game with my wife, just being like, all right, what covers do you like? What covers do you don't? Um, and she looked at this cover. She's like, don't like it. Hate it. And I'm like, why? It's kind of cool. You know, it's, it's Angel. And it's like, why does he have a bike? And, yeah, it's kind of a weird cover because it has nothing. Like, it's actually, sorry, I take that back. It does have something to do with the... The issue, eh, kind of. Uh, the very end of the issue has uh, Angel on a bike, so that definitely does have. It is a tie-in. That being said, still silly. Um, that being said, I actually really enjoyed this uh, arc with the Brotherhood. I, I was talking with um, uh, Paul Scorez, my brother-in-law, and frequent guest of the show, and uh, he hasn't read these issues yet. But he's saying like he really didn't like them in the Battle of the Atom, and I was telling him that, you know, in some ways the Battle of the Atom did the, these characters a major disservice because we didn't really get to know who those characters were instead we were kind of trying to make it cliffhangery with each issue and kind of surprises as to who are these people and instead of being able to kind of delve into their backgrounds because they were doing a mystery we didn't get any of the kind of the interesting cool stuff so here we get to see a lot more of what's really behind Ray's and uh, the young Xavier and I, I really kind of dig how that's done um, and yeah I thought this was pr- very interesting and, and enjoyable and I'm kind of liking this friendship slash relationship that might be evolving between Angel and um, X-23, which is really funny to me because the classic kind of moment between, like, Angel and Wolverine never really got around, got along back in the Claremont era, uh, at least not that much. They weren't on teams that often together, but there, I think there's one point where Arc Angel even wants to quit the team because Wolverine's on it, so now to have his younger version, uh, Mackinon, um, a female clone of Wolverine, is kind of interesting and funny. Um... It, and I, I guess they're actually going to go there in this direction this time because obviously we had an issue before with that awkward Brandon Peterson cover where X-23 and Young Cyclops were making out and that didn't really come to fruition anywhere and that was just there for weird shock value. Uh, this was solid by Eminem and Bendis. Um, just Again, the artwork by Eminem is just fantastic. He's doing such a great job on this book and Bendis, still, it's starting to feel like he's spinning his wheels a little but this arc, I think he's 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 done well. Um, so I'm going to give it an eight out of ten, which is a common theme so far. Uh, next up is Amazing X-Men number nine. No, I can't remember if issue eight had him McGinnis on our work or not, but he's not on. Doesn't seem to be on the book now. Um, but the cover, I believe, is still by Ed McGinnis. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's World War Wendigo part two. Um, why do I feel like this is part three? I feel like we've had more parts of the story already. I guess I'm wrong. Um, by Craig Kyle, Chris Yost, and artwork by Carlo Barberi. No, I guess it is, because we had the first arc was, I think, six issues, or five issues, then another issue that was kind of a quiet one. Then issue seven, I believe, was the Amazing Friends issue, and then, okay, eight and nine. Okay, I guess that makes sense. Um, 
I like how we start with kind of seeing the blackbird and then it crashes into the, this home, which is shocking and surprising. And then we flash back and see what kind of leads to that. Um, so all the action is kind of taking place in Canada. I love that the Wendigos are like basically a zombie virus, but instead they're super powerful mystical creatures. And you have the Wendigo kind of messing around, uh, fighting off the fighting with the X Men. You have Talisman uh, or like a Shaman Zotter, whatever she's called now, and Puck there as well. Um, Wolverine apparently gets turned into a Wendigo and then basically kills, uh, or doesn't kill, but very badly injures Talisman. Um, and uh, that was kind of like the big what the fuck of the issue. Uh, really well done, fun. Barbary does really Ed McGinnis like artwork. Again, I feel like I broke a record already, but that's three eights uh, for the week because these are some great comics. Um, next up is Avengers number 32. This is by Jonathan Hickman and Lionel Francis Yu. So this is 5,000 into the future now. So 5,000 years into the future, we see what kind of happens to the world. Now, this was more interesting than the last couple of issues because it had Franklin Richards in it. And I love Franklin Richards, uh, at least future Franklin, as he was written by Jonathan Hickman in the Fantastic Four book. Um, that being said, it feels like a, a more of the same, these cryptic pieces, seeing a bit of the future. And again, a lot of this cryptic kind of portents of the future and then it's over, and then they all get shunted into the future. Uh, now they're going to be 51,000 years in the future. Um, I'm kind of, like, it's still interesting, but, again, it just feels like we're hitting the same beats. And in some ways, just kind of biding our time till we get back to the present to do something cool. And I just don't know where this is really going. Um, and I feel like back in the day, like, I, from a time travel perspective, I always think of... Uh, it's Iron Man number volume two number eleven. It's the Iron Man Heroes Are Born, and uh, in it, him and Doc, him he confronts Doctor Doom. He activates Doctor Doom's like kind of time machine in his armor, and they start skittering through time. Very simple, and they go. They have a few major bumps. They get these again cryptic hints of the past from Merlin. They meet up with uh, Ben Grimm from when he was Blackbeard. Um, they see Ramatut. They see uh, the uh, Battle of Onslaught. They see all these brief things, and then it's done. And then you're led to wonder like what what the hell was that? And it's kind of, and it's really kind of cool, but you didn't have four or five issues with each segment getting its own issue, because I feel like with these, it's interesting, but they're spending so much time on it that I don't. It's starting to not be as interesting because we just get the same kind of beats are being hit again and again without really getting any real context anymore. And we're just kind of it's just it's bugging me. So that's why I'm not enjoying this as much. And Francis, you. Um, I notice more often than not here his backgrounds really I think are hurting or just his layouts um, there's, a, there's a specific shot in here I guess there's nothing really wrong with it but it's just kind of a weird shot where like uh, I think it's on page it's like the third or fourth page where you have Franklin Richards and he's from the side and he's kind of looking down he's got his arms at his side and it's awkward because it's kind of like a bust because we don't actually see his bottom half of his body isn't part of the frame but it's not framed in such a way that it makes sense because he's kind of coming out of the frame it's of the panel itself so I really didn't like it and the first shot we see of uh, Franklin Richards as well it doesn't even look like Franklin like I guess it's just the coloring it's not as much the art but you can't really tell that he's a blonde and you can't really tell the color of his beard and he just looks almost like he could have been a future version of Reed Richards um, so I wasn't a huge fan and the way Black Widow was illustrated as well not my favorite version of Black Widow either because but she, the suit she's wearing here, 
I don't know. Again, maybe my issue here is more with the colorist because it reminds me too much of like her kind of seventies, eighties look than her more modern look. That's a darker kind of color or palette. Um, and it was definitely interesting. Well, sorry, not interesting, but has its moments, but they're few and far between. And again, even though it's interesting, it's slow. And I do like that Groot apparently uh, is this kind of tree that they're standing on. That's kind of a fun little gag at the at the end of the sequence. I'm going to give it a six. Um, it just I think it could have been much better, and I, or I think it just could have been more condensed. And this the last few issues could have all been one, and it could have been a lot more interesting. Uh, next up at Birds of Prey 33, uh, as this continues, uh, so we have Black Canary versus the Wall. It's by Christian Marks with artwork by Robson Roca. It's kind of a weird positioning because uh, the new team, sorry, the new Suicide Squad has just started, and th- this isn't it. So it's kind of like the last gasp of the old Suicide Squad. It just seems oddly timed, um, and especially with Amanda Waller even being there, kind of on the mission again. That doesn't really make sense with the current DCU. So I think they could have uh, scheduled this so much better. And uh, I don't know. It, it was all right, and with like, it's all kind of a ruse with Black Canary wanted to confront the wall. Um, it wasn't the strongest issue. I'm gonna give it a six. I actually give, make that a five. Uh, next up is Captain Marvel number four. Uh, this is written by Kelly Sue DeConnick with artwork by uh, David Lopez. This is Higher, Further, Faster, More Part Five. Um, uh, I, I found the maneuvering with the Spartax. Um, the discovery as to what's really going on on this planet it, it was it was kind of interesting but again it didn't hold my interest that much uh the artwork wasn't as strong as it has been in the past um i, I think it's it lacks some of the vim and vinegar that we've had in previous issues um and i just didn't find it nearly as in, enjoyable or engaging um so i'm going to give that a, a five out of ten uh next up is daredevil number five uh, i was telling leon you gotta read daredevil and he's like i don't like the art style i'm like you're crazy. Chris Somney's a brilliant artist. Like the storytelling in Daredevil is incredible, and I just don't understand people who are somehow thrown off or put off by it because I think the artwork is just so good, and some people just don't get it, and it, I find it completely frustrating. Um, just because looking at this book, it is absolutely gorgeous. It's a it's one hell of a sight to behold. I, I guess I'm just you know not everyone agrees with that. Uh, it's written by Mark Wade, artwork by, as I said, Chris Somney. Uh, here we're getting a flashback as to Franklin's quote-unquote death. Uh, we see what leads up to that uh, event um, and what kind of takes him off the grid and how Daredevil basically, um, he engineers Foggy's quote-unquote death. Um, really well done, uh, brilliantly written. Um, Mark Wade, just, he just gets Daredevil, he gets Foggy. I'm going to give this a 9.5 out of 10. Um, this was just a fantastic issue, and an issue we needed, because we didn't really understand what was going on with Foggy, so now we know, and absolutely know what it means. Uh, next up is Detective Comics, number 33, with a gorgeous cover by uh, Francis Manipal and Brian Bucciolato, as we see kind of sequences from the book, but framed as a gun. Uh, really gorgeous. So this is Icarus, part 4. The artwork continues to just absolutely amaze me. Uh, Manipole is just pulling out all the stops. Uh, Bucciolato is just doing amazing things with color. Um, so there's some great sequences. There's a, a shot here that is very evocative of year one where Batman kind of hunched in the water and uh, got the, the 
the um, cop's guns on him, and it's kind of illuminating him a little, and he just looks amazing. Um, I love how Harvey Bullock is being written here. It's a softer side of Harvey Bullock that we don't usually see. I like how Batman's being written as a detective. I like how they kind of come across each other. Uh, I'm interested to see where they go with this. Um, I like Harvey Bullock versus Batman is much more entertaining than maybe it should be. Um, yeah, this is breathtaking. I mean, the artwork is just gorgeous, and I'm really enjoying the story. It's very solid. It has a, a distinct feel, and I think that's because they're making an effort to make it a detective comics comic. Um, you are reading a, a comic that is definitely about a detective, and that's very enjoyable. Uh, next up is Fantastic Four number seven, another James Robinson book for the week. It's another original Sin tie-in. Uh, not really digging this. Uh, the whole kind of original Sin, it just felt tacked on. It didn't feel that consequential in a lot of ways. Um, and then the thing saying, like, I didn't kill the Puppet Master at the very end. I don't know. I just, I found myself bored. Um, it didn't feel that original, uh, which is interesting because I just, I really like James Robinson. Um, I just, I was expecting a little bit more. Um, present day con- stuff is written by, sorry, illustrated by Leonard Kirk with Carl Kiesel with Rick Magyar on, on inks. And then on the original Sin flashback stuff, you have by uh, Dean Haspiel and Nolan Woodward, which is very kind of old school classic. Kind of reminds me of a Kirby-ish at times mixed with Michael Allred, if that makes any sense. Um, I'm going to give it a six. It wasn't... Uh, no, I'm going to give it a five. I just... It's not even bad. I just... I felt so indifferent to some of what was going on, and that bugs me more. Um, next up is Grayson number one. <laughs> I showed this to Leon. He's like, what is this? And I'm like, yeah, it's a different take on the character, for sure. Um, it's written by Tim Seeley. Um, well, I guess I actually did the plot, and then... Sorry, it's written by Tim Seeley with the plot by Tim Seeley and Tom King because they're kind of doing an alternating thing going on with artwork by uh, Mikkel Yannan, who I actually really like the artwork by Yannan. Um, you know, it was kind of a fun story. It's not what I want Dick Grayson to be doing, but just because it's not what I want Dick Grayson to be doing doesn't make it a bad story and, or a bad comic. Um, it definitely, at the end, it makes you wonder what the hell is going on. With You know, they might know that Bruce Wayne is Batman. That's kind of interesting. Um, I don't really know anything about Spiral, so that doesn't mean anything to me. Um, I don't know. It, it's not bad. I mean, I wanted to hate it because I just don't like the direction. but And I'm still not a huge fan of the direction, but it's well-written and well-illustrated. So, I mean, I am going to give it a 7, even though it's not the direction I really care for it to go in. Speaking of directions I don't care for books to go in, we have Green Lantern Corps 33. Uh, this is written by um, let's see, Ben Jensen. And it's got artwork by Bernard Chang. Um, this is the last chapter of Uprising, although it feels more like a weird tacked-on ep- epilogue, as we find out that uh, it's the fatality that we have here is actually a Durlin, and has been masquerading as a Star Sapphire all this time. He takes on a Daxamite form and then gets to this uh, the energy people and is able to become more powerful, uh, and then bringing all the Green Lanterns in to try and stop, uh, stop him and... Uh, and then we're also kind of putting um, John Stewart on his own path because now he's going to want to find out what, where Star Sapphire really is. And we have the introduction of a new villain, the Shadow Empire, is coming up soon. Um, it's not a bad issue. It's it just it felt like last issue should have like was the the end. I didn't really need this kind of last minute. Whoa, ho, ho! It's not over yet. Like no, it was over. I. I was done with the story. I didn't need this last chapter, which felt like a last gasp, but it wasn't necessary. 
Uh, I'm going to give it a 6 out of 10. Because uh, it just kind of bugged me that it was even there. Um, so next up is... Let's see here. Uh, what is up next? New 52 Futures End, number 10. Uh, so I actually just... I realized I w fell behind this book a little. Um, so I finally got caught up. Um, still not a big fan, um, to be honest with you. I still think that there's just a lot of missed opportunities here. Um, I do like that Superman's kind of being here and seeing what he's doing. Um, the whole Batman Beyond, and he's kind of tries to uh, mess with, not mess with, uh, get some help with going inside uh, T-Tech or Terror for Tech, whatever you want to call it. Red Robin being there and kind of wondering what's going on with um, Batman Beyond and having a brief kind of interaction with Batman Beyond. Uh, we have Hawkman regrowing his arm and not being happy that his arm was amputated to help uh, Frankenstein. Uh, more on what's going on with Grifter, as well as uh, what may or may not be going on with Big Barda. Uh, this book is just it's just there. I'm going to give it a 6 out of 10. I just No, I'm going to give 6 out of 10 because it's not a bad book. I'm, it's just, I'm very indifferent to it. It's written by Brian Azzarello, Jeff Lemire, Dan Jurgens. Uh, Keith Giffen with pencils by Aaron Lepresti. Um, next up is New Suicide Squad number one. This is written by let's see Sean Ryan with artwork by Jeremy Roberts and art colors by Blonde. Uh, I just wasn't really that big a fan of this. This kind of new version of, now that Deathstroke's there, Black Manta, Joker's daughter. Uh, they just kind of throw this weird kind of hodgepodge of a team together. We kind of see them on a mission. No, we do see them on a mission. Sorry, there's no kind of about it. Um, I like the ending because I thought that was interesting. Are these the, the Rocket Reds of the New 52? Because they're kind of cool looking. Uh, everything else, very forgettable. Um, it's just, there's not a lot of meat here. I'm going to give it a five. Uh, it could have been a lot more interesting than this. And, but, and there's just... It's just frustrating. I don't know. I just don't find it nearly as good as it could have been. Um, Nightcrawler number four. Talk about a book that I did not expect to be good at all. Um, it's written by Chris Claremont with artwork by Todd Nock. Here we have the kind of resolution of the Margali and um, Amanda Sefton story as Nightcrawler tries to uh, protect Amanda and fight against Margali. Uh, along the way, there's a lot of swashbuckling action. It's very kind of... It's not lighthearted per se, but it, there is a, a sense of levity here. Um, although it is quite sad what happens to Amanda Sefton. Obviously, at some point they're good. Um, Amanda Sefton will be come back, but it was a great ending. Uh, the artwork by Barbary is just brilliant. Um, yeah, I really dug this. It, it's it's a great looking book, and the style is uh, very much in keeping with what was going on. But when Ed McGinnis brought the character back in Amazing X Men, uh, the cover is a little flat by Jamie McKelvey with Matthew Wilson. Uh, but for the issue itself, I'm going to give it an 8. And I honestly never thought I'd enjoy a Claremont book again. And he is so subverting my expectations. This is just a fun book that, that celebrates Nightcrawler and his own history and his own characters and then tangles with the X-Men as well. So it's I enjoyed it quite a lot. Uh, we have Original Sin, Thor and Loki, number 1. Uh, or actually, sorry, technically it's Original Sin 5.1. Because they like to script the numbering as much as possible. It's uh, written by well, the story is by Jason Aaron and Al Ewing, with a script by Al Ewing, with artwork by Lee Garbett on pages one to seventeen and twenty, and Simone Bianchi on pages eighteen to nineteen. Uh, so we're finding out that uh, it turns out Thor has a sister who would now appear to be Angela from the tenth realm. 
this issue is better than I expected it to be. I like how it weaves together things that have been going on in the existing kind of Thor, more the Loki of Agent of Asgard book than Thor, but the idea that there is a Tenth Realm is, is interesting. Um, there's a lot of potential here, uh, especially when they go to the Tenth Realm. Not a big fan of the idea of Evangela being a sister, per se, although there's a lot of Thor news coming out because now Thor is going to be a woman. Um, but, uh, you know, it's... It does its thing. I'm going to give it a 6.5 out of 10. I feel, It does feel very oddly placed. Like, it just kind of happens. Like, all these original Sentaians, it just kind of happened. They don't, it doesn't feel that organic. Because the ongoing story of what happened to, for all the heroes to be fighting the orb to begin with is not really covered anywhere. It's only in Original Sin. So all these books that tie in, suddenly the character's there, and suddenly, bam, they, they know something. But there's not a lot of... Uh, real reason give for what happens and how they know. Um, next up, actually, I'm not gonna. I didn't read the entire issue, so I'm not gonna give it an official rating. But I read Original Sins three part of the issue. I read the part with um, I forget. I forget who this character is supposed to be. Um, lineage. This uh, I, this Inhumans character who I've never heard of before. I didn't find him that interesting. The secret he finds out I didn't find interesting as well. Then I went back and read Inhumans 2 and I didn't realize that Lineage shows up there. So maybe that is kind of more interesting than maybe I gave it credit for but it just feels very oddly placed that like this is the lead story here and no one, no one really knows who Lineage is and so it doesn't feel like it's Maybe the greatest uh, choice to kind of start the issue. Uh, it's written by Charles Sewell, who is obviously writing uh, Inhuman, and it's artwork by Ryan Brown, uh, who I don't know that well as a Marvel art, uh, having done that much art, but I believe he was the one doing the, not the fill-ins, but the select issues of Manhattan Projects uh, that were generally about Oppenheimer previously. Um, then you have the second story with the Young Avengers that I haven't really cared that much about in The Hood. Uh, it's by Ryan North with artwork by Ramon Villa Lobos, and then you have the last story, which is only what, a two-page story that I loved by Dan Slott and Mark Bagley, which is a, a, the original sin of uh, J. Jonah Jameson, which I thought was actually quite cute and funny. But I haven't read the entirety of the issue, so I'm not going to give it an official rating. Uh, Spider-Man 2099. This is by Peter David and Will Slinney. Uh, I really dug this. I thought it was a lot of fun. I liked the art. I liked uh, this temporal character that um, Spider-Man goes up against. Uh, I like kind of the, the wrinkle with Liz Allen probably being the most forceful she's ever been written in a good way um, as she has a lot more balls I think than she's ever had anywhere else ever um, I, I dug this it was a solid debut I'm going to give it an 8.5 out of 10 I'm excited that in I think it's October they're going to have uh, Rick Leonardo the co-creator of Spider-Man 29 come for an issue uh, that's exciting I can't wait to read that um, next up is Superman Wonder Woman number 10. So this is, oh, what's uh, the ridiculous numbering? This is Su uh, Superman Doomed, Super Doom, Chapter 2. They make it confusing uh, on purpose. Uh, it's written by Charles Sewell with art by Paolo Sequeira and Pascal Alix. I really like Sequeira's take on this. Um, even though I'm not a huge fan of the Super Doom concept, it's definitely interesting. Uh, having the Brainiac construct, having Super, sorry, Wonder Woman. Uh, I like how we do get stories with both characters, although they're not spending time together, which I would have preferred. Um, it is over a little quickly, but maybe that's not a bad thing. Um, I don't, still don't understand who this um, uh, Cyborg Superman is exactly, but 
Oh, we'll see. It continues in Action Comics Annual Number Three, coming out soon. I'm gonna give it a six. It was, it was all right. And next up, is, or last up, I should say, is Wolverine Number Ten. As we continue the march towards his death, which just sounds ridiculous. It's Two Months to Die, the last Wolverine story, Part One of Three. That has all sorts of problems with it, but whatever. Written by Paul, Paul Cornell and uh, artwork by uh, Pete Woods, who does pencils and inks. And I don't think he does a very good take on it. I like Pete, Wood, uh, Pete Woods generally, but I just didn't think this was his solid work. And uh, this is just Wolverine kind of being a hero again and going back to the X-Men, going back to the Avengers, etc. I don't know, I, and getting back up and having a plan to kind of go up against uh, Sabretooth. Uh, Sabretooth is really the only interesting parts in the issue. Uh, otherwise, I thought this was very forgettable and I gave it a 4 out of 10. Uh, books I didn't get a chance to read this week include the following 100th Anniversary Special Number 1 Spider-Man Amazing Spider-Man 1.3 I just actually was picked that up the other day and then I was going to get my digital copy redeemed and then I was peeling the sticker and then half the code came off so I, have to, I can't seem to figure out what the numbers and words or letters should be so I have to figure out a way to get that digital code because I really don't want to have to pay for, for the issue again when I've already paid for the physical copy uh, Avengers Undercover number 7, bummed that I didn't have a chance to read that yet, as well as Batgirl 33, Batman Eternal number 14. I can't fall behind a Batman Eternal, it's one of my favorite books. Uh, Coffin Hill number 9, Constantine 16, Deadly Hands of Kung Fu number 3, Deadpool 31, Deadpool Dracula's Gauntlet number 1, FBP Federal Bureau of Physics number 12, Infinity Man and the Forever People number 2, Injustice Gods Among Us year 2 number 7, Justice League United number 3, Marvel Universe Avengers Assemble number 10, Original Sins, number 3, Royals Masters of War, number 6, Scooby-Doo, Where Are You, 47, Smallville Season 11, number Lantern, number 4, Superboy, number 33, Super, Super, yeah, Superior Foes of Spider-Man, number 13, United States of Murder, Inc., number 3, Winter Soldier, Bitter March, number 5, Bum, they didn't get a chance to read that yet, World's Finest, 25, and X-Force, number 7. Uh, looking ahead to next week, or should I say today... Uh, books that came out on July 16th include uh, some of the following as highlights. Uh, some of those highlights include uh, Electra number four, Magneto number seven, uh, Miss Marvel, Nova, uh, Original Sin six, uh, Original Sin Hulk versus Iron Man, or, or 3.1 or something, or 3.2. Uh, new issues of Savage Hulk, Secret Avengers. Uh, as I think she, I said She-Hulk, Thunderbolts, Uncanny X-Men, X-Men, Silver Surfer, and then from DC there's uh, Batman Eternal, uh, Robin Rises Omega, which is a potentially big one, uh, and Teen Titans number one, and a few other books. So that is what is coming up this coming week, and uh, we'll get to that uh, sometime next week. Uh, our next episode will be one of two things. It'll either be a Comic Talk episode looking at the solicits for, for October 2014, or it'll be a Comic Talk episode looking at uh, Dan Slott's She-Hulk, um, which I recently came out in Complete Collection, so I might do a little bit of a retrospective on that. Not quite sure yet, but uh, we'll see. And uh, other than that, uh, in a few weeks, we'll have the Guardians of the Galaxy Spotlight episode. I think that'll be episode, I think, 190 or something. And then after that will be the uh, Ninja Turtles spotlight. And then from there, it's a slow march to episode 200, which will be exciting. And uh, also, in August, we'll also have the, uh, I think August 12th marks the two-year kind of anniversary of the podcast. So that'll, I don't know if I'm going to do something that special for it. I'm hoping maybe that uh, Kelly and my wife will be able to uh, do a quick episode with me because she did the first episode with me. And actually, if you go back and listen to the pilot, 
Uh, I think we talk about how it was not ever meant to be an episode. I told her, we're just going to do a pilot episode. It's probably never going to be posted. At least that's what she said I said. I think I was always going to post it. Anyway, I, I posted it. People started downloading it. She's like, um, I said cunt. And uh, I was like, yeah, yeah, you did. She's like, And so to this day, she's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't say that. In context, she was just saying, you can say whatever you want because it's the radio. and Or it's like the radio, but not. And she was just kind of throwing out some words. And go back and listen to that episode. You'll see how far the show has become. Uh, has come, but uh, also it's I think a fun re- a fun listen to as well. Although I haven't listened to it in quite some time, uh, so that is our episode for this week. Thanks for listening, and uh, please email us at comicshenanigans at gmail dot com if you'd like to uh, get in touch with us. Also, you can uh, post or like like our Facebook page. Although I don't think it's been updated in a long time, so I got to get on that one of these days. Also, you can rate and review us on iTunes. Subscribe to us on iTunes, please. Uh, that'll help uh, boost the show's numbers, uh, so we can get it out to more people. It's interesting. I was um, uh, recently the stat, the way I can access the stats in the show changed, and I was able to see more uh, ge- geographical stats, which I found quite interesting. So apparently, in July 2014, uh, Maryland has been the uh, the the state that has most downloaded my show. So thank you, Maryland. Um, as for countries, it's more, it's definitely uh, dominated by the U.S. I'm surprised that the Canadian downloads only make up, I think, 10 or 15%. What's up, Canada? Uh, Germany's hot in your tail. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the U.S., in particular Maryland, are very strong. So thank you for supporting the show and for giving us a listen. Uh, and also for going back, because I know that... As people find the show, some people go back and listen to old episodes, so I really appreciate that as well. To go into the archives, there's some good stuff there, I think. Uh, so thank you for joining me, and we will catch you next time for episode 184. It'll be a comic talk episode either way. Just not quite sure what type of comic talk it'll be yet. But uh, I'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye. Or should I say, bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>